Steve, happy Monday. How's it going, man? Uh, good. Obviously, it's it's uh, people were <laughs> it's Friday. <laughs> it's and, Friday, and uh, Monday we'll be in Alaska, so things should be awesome at the moment. Hopefully, we're either catching fish or cutting up a deer. Yeah, we we could have some could have some game taken care of by Monday morning. I yeah. hope. Jake, you have a check the what junior co co-host was that your title from last Taking time his appearance you? yet again yeah yeah <laughs> how are you feeling man you're getting ready to uh fly to alaska tonight that's a, a new experience for you i'm excited new experience yeah i've never hunted out of state for anything and so this whole traveling to go hunting is just it's exciting i'm making sure i, I think I, I was on the phone with justin carey yesterday i was telling my packed and unpacked like five times now just making sure i have everything but yeah i'm i'm stoked i'm 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 excited it's gonna be a fun time yeah cool well we had some questions that popped up about kodiak which we'll we'll kind of get to here in a minute and then uh listeners if you have questions that you think of uh go ahead and reach back out to us send us an email to podcast at xmountaingear.com because we'll do a follow-up podcast after this trip to talk about some of the stories and experiences and then answer some of your questions. Uh, a couple of things before we get to Kodiak though, one is the EXO experience photo story contest is still happening. Um, so if you haven't yet submitted anything for that or looked into the details of what that is, go to exomountaingear.com forward slash experience, uh, or there's a link in the show description. You can check out what it takes to get involved, see the prizes, things like that. Uh, we got a funny email a week or two ago and this guy like was getting ready to tell me about his hunt and had some photos. And he was, he basically said, here's the recap that my wife would lovingly and mockingly give to all of my hunting stories. And then he begins to quote his wife says, let me guess you hiked a lot. You got close. You whispered. You walked around some more, woke up early again, got close again, saw some more animals, hiked some more, eventually got one, hiked a lot more, but this time it was heavy. And then you drink some beer and whiskey. So that's his wife summarizing all hunting trips, which I thought was pretty on point, really. <laughs> Must be a good hunter. Yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, if you guys have a story or photos to share from your fall, go ahead and send those in. Steve, regrettably have a question for you that came up. Uh, from a listener this guy wrote in and said against my better judgment i'm going to get in touch with my feminine side and try steve's fishnet underlayers <laughs> was steve wearing the wool or synthetic version as an extra bonus my choice is apparently thinning down our hunting group as several members have sworn not to associate with me if i carry through with this plan thanks again for all the info you guys provide so steve wool or synthetic fishnets um i own both uh doesn't really Dude, matter. It just got worse. Yeah. You know, too? <laughs> um, yeah, the, the wool ones are probably my favorite. They're a little bit kind of stretchier. Um, so yeah, they're uh, this guy's on the right track. Trust me, those things are amazing. <laughs> Dude, I don't know. All right. So for guys who don't know what the heck we're talking about, if you're new to the podcast, Steve <laughs> essentially wears pantyhose when he hunts, fishing up <laughs> pantyhose. And what is the company? He I is this it? So he wrote. I don't I have no idea how to say this. But Brenya. Yeah. Brenya. B-R-Y-N-J-E. Yeah. All right. I'm Mark, that's like two times you've been making fun of Steve, man. Do you have like a death wish or something? Like uh, <laughs> no, I just I mean, if he deserves it, I'm gonna dish it. Uh, I, guess. Guess. 
I can take it. That's true. Uh, yeah, I know. They, I mean, they're truly incredible, man. Like you, yeah, you got to put your masculinity aside, but uh, they are freaking awesome. <laughs> oh goodness. All right. So let's talk Kodiak a little bit. Um, Jake, one of the questions that you had as you were wondering about this trip was if someone were to shoot a Kodiak brown bear out of self-defense, what are the consequences, if any, and does Alaska have some sort of protocol for this type of event? Yeah. It's a good question, dude. Yeah. I mean, are you, how do you feel about brown bears? Are you nervous? Well, no, not, not yet. I'm more, I'm more nervous about the flying. So then once we land, then, you know, the flying's over, then we'll start worrying about brown bears, (laughs) I guess. One problem at a time. Yeah, exactly. But no, I mean, I've talked to, like I said, I've talked to Justin and he's a little nervous about it. So, and it it hasn't really affected me, but it was just a question that popped up. It's like, you know, I, what happens if, if, you know, how, how often does it happen? And I don't know if you guys know that if you guys hear, you know, hunters, you know, having to out of self-defense shoot a shoot a round bear. What are the yeah. what's the protocol? What do you think, Steve? Um, my first reaction was you, but I think this. I don't know why I'm thinking this, but I think this is more like Wyoming, Montana. Like you don't want to freaking shoot one because it's a mess afterwards, yeah. right? Um, but I'm pretty sure that's that's Wyoming, Montana. I think up there, uh, if it happens, you know, I guess just. If it happens, document the crap out of it. Take, you know, immediately pull out your cell phone and take videos and yeah. um, do everything you can to prove you were in the right. So, uh, right. I, yeah, I'm not sure. I, I wish, I don't know if I've ever talked to somebody who's shot one before yeah. and what, what that experience happened or even really if I've heard of them being killed from charging, but I haven't had like a firsthand, you know, talk to that person or somebody who was close to it. So everything's just kind of hearsay. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think that's obviously have as much information as possible um, mm-hmm. just so you can clearly describe the incident. And if you can show that, right, like I was here, the bear was there, the bear behaved this way. I did that at this time. Um, and then just you know, as quickly as possible, be forthright with that to make every effort to get in contact with fish and game mm-hmm. um, and communicate that and relay that. And I think at that point, it's, you know, next steps on them, whether they're going to come out to the field, whether they would want you to pack things out potentially, um, what that looks like. I mean, I know, uh, I've only again, heard secondhand stories, but it, it has happened. Um, you clearly don't get to keep anything from the animal. Um, fish and game is going to collect that, take care of that. So, um, in the end, it's, I don't want to say I haven't, I haven't worried about the protocol, but to me, it would only become a case in a truly life or death situation. And then it's yeah. like, well, the consequences are what they are. I was just saving yeah. my life. Right. <laughs> yeah. That's where it boils down to. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, it's a solid, solid question for sure. I yeah. think just like anything else, just be honest. Right. Yeah. Right. No, it's not like I'm going to go out there guns blazing, you know, looking for a bear. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but it just, it's a question that, you know, popped up. I, I know how much those bear tags cost. I know it's a tricky situation. Um, I wonder if Jerry, uh, the guy who runs the lodge would have any stories or any more information. I'll definitely yeah. ask. Yeah, him. for sure. They'll, they'll have Rafe yeah. up there specifically. will 
he's he's guides for bears and he'll he'll have some information we could ask him and, and do a follow-up on the podcast yeah. maybe when we're up there plan to record a couple so, yeah. sounds good for sure um let's see what else was there oh so i had a question about if we were bow hunting or rifle hunting and for november specifically is it a good time to consider bow hunting versus earlier in the season um yeah solid question there i think pretty much everybody's planning on rifle hunting um that's what we did last time steven it was you and i and mike I definitely at that point was like, man, I got to get back up here with my bow and definitely yeah. make that happen. But essentially for me, the decision boiled down to, we have a much larger group this time. We have eight guys um, who want to fish and hunt. And so just from a, an efficiency perspective with so many guys tags to fill with not hunting every single day of the week, uh, me personally, that was, you know, a huge factor in me deciding to bring back the rifle again, but I'll let you speak to that, Steve. Yeah, I think I pretty much echo what you just said. I, um, I think it'd be bow hunting wise. If I had to guess, I think August, you know, go early would be fantastic or now in the rut, right? Yeah. They, sh- they should be, you know, when we went, we were told they were kind of be down lower in, in the kind of quote unquote flats, I guess, um, down, you know, it's closer to the ocean. Uh, and then we ended up finding them kind of mid mountain where it was still brushy, not quite just where it completely broke wide open. Uh, and bow hunting then would have been pretty freaking tricky. I mean, mm-hmm. we definitely could have got it done, but it, it would have been trickier, I guess, if they were, if they were running down there in the bottom and those alders and stuff that it'd be really, really fun to bow hunt. Like, um, I think Corey Ford that's coming on the trip. He was like, I really want to bring my bow. I was like, man, freaking do it. Cause if they're down there and you're shooting them with a gun at like 30 yards, you're going to be pissed. You don't have a bow, but <laughs> it's, it's also like, you, you know, we've got weight luggage, weight restrictions. Um, and yeah, like you said, I, I as much want to fish as I want to hunt. So it's a matter of just getting out there and hunt for a day, kill a deer, come back, drink a tiny bit of whiskey, um, <laughs> and then go fish the next day. Like an amount, like a Jakey amount or like, an amount, like <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was a little bit of sarcasm. <laughs> uh yeah so jake for you did you even consider bringing a bow uh no not going into it no but then Corey ford yeah he came in my office and was trying to convince me to bring a bow he's like if you bring one i'll bring one and uh, i I don't know i I just don't want to go into it and yeah I'm, i'm confident with the rifle and yeah i haven't i haven't thought about it really at all and rifles already packed in the gun case so it's we're bringing the rifles the rifles it is yeah um, yeah, I had some questions on meat care, essentially being a week long trip and you, I have the opportunity to fill quite a few tags. What basically happens after you harvest a buck, uh, does the place we're staying at have a huge meat locker? Um, and then what are the next steps for bringing back, uh, any deer or fish home? Um, so this one, yes, we're hunting from, you know, a lodge, uh, from Jerry's place, obviously how this looks for any Kodiak trip is going to be dependent on, are you hunting from a lodge or hunting from a boat? Are you flown in what time of year it is? So there's a lot of variables on meat for us. It's super simple. Uh, Jerry has a great facility there um, to store the meat. It's going to be plenty cold. So we don't even have to have it necessarily in a quote unquote meat locker, but we'll have it secured and cool. And then uh, as time allows, it's kind of up to each person individually as the hunter to take care of that how they want and when they want in terms of packing it to get home. 
Uh, Jerry runs a fishing operation. So he has vacuum sealers. He has the fish boxes uh, to get things home, but he is not a guide. And with Alaska regulations, he's not a hunting guide, I should say. With Alaska regulations, he's essentially not allowed to touch or care for your hunting, your, your meat. Mm-hmm. And so that's on the hunter. Um, but it's a super simple process uh, with the facility that he has. Um, and then with so many guys this trip and what Steve mentioned about weight limits and capacities there, uh, we're going to have a second flight essentially just to get meat over back to Kodiak to the commercial terminal. And then we're going to use Alaska Air Cargo to then schedule that to fly home. So the meat's essentially going to fly home separately from us. Uh, that is the plan. And we've used Alaska Air Cargo before and talked about it briefly. And we'll follow up and let you guys know how it goes again this time after the trip. Gotcha. But that's the plan to get it all home. So like after one guy kills one, let's say, and then you get back, you're in charge of processing it yourself almost and vacuum sealing it up just to get it ready. Or do you let it hang until the last day and then cut it up? We let it all hang until the last evening. And and then um, I elected just to kind of quickly debone everything and took it to a butcher when I got home. Mm -hmm. Mike and Mark both, you know, full on cut it up and vacuum sealed everything. And it was, you know, they went, got home and went straight into the freezer ready to eat. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, totally you got the call. option. Yeah. Right yeah. We did wait. Um, I'm sure it's a, probably a similar setup. Steve, you were up there more recently than I, but when we were up there in 2019, he had a giant Connex like shipping container uh, with shelving and racks to set the meat on. So it gets airflow and it's locked up, secured from bears and it's plenty cold. Um, and so, yeah, we just let it sit there and then yeah, had a giant meat cutting party at the end of the week. Oh, and then I'm going to piggyback off that. And then how about for the fish? So is he allowed to touch that or do we still have to? They, yeah. I mean, that's one of those deals that they are used to clients that don't touch it. Right. Like, <laughs> but like every time I've gone, like I'm full on, like yeah, no one else is like, uh, I'm at least taking a part to playing a role in this. Right. So um, I was filleting fish and then we had a little assembly line going. Uh, yeah. vacuum sealing and everything, but they are, they have, you know, clients that come up that just don't want to do that. So it's normal for them to catch the fish. They go back and, you know, one or two of the people cut up all the fish for the, the, you know, quote unquote clients. So, gotcha. Yeah. yeah. But we, we will obviously jump in there and help out and speed up the process. Nice. Yeah. It worked out great last time. Rafe and Steve were cutting up fish. Uh, Mike was kind of shuttling fish over to me. I was running the vacuum sealer to get everything sealed and labeled and in the freezer. So it was just literally an assembly line and dude catching the fish and then having it in the freezer that night's just awesome. So yeah, it's super cool. Um, what else? There's a couple of random questions we can save till later. Oh, here's a good one. So you had mentioned this, Jake, that you heard that I think it was Wednesday was a no fish day. Oh, yeah. You want to explain that, uh, Steve? Mm, it's, I can't remember if it's no, Wednesday. Yeah, no halibut. Um, they so I don't know all the details on this, but it's just a state of Alaska regulation that they just you cannot fish for halibut on Wednesdays, and that that might just be local to right there in Kodiak. I, I'm not sure what the, you know where that is, but I know where we're at on Wednesdays, you can't catch halibut. So you can still go out and fish for cod and sea bass and everything, all the other stuff, but you just can't fish for halibut. So I think for us, it makes sense to 
make sure we're all hunting that day, whether that's going duck hunting or, or deer yeah. hunting. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Well guys, the weather's looking, looking good. It's looking cold, colder than last year or not last year, last time, Steve, but I think yeah. it's going to be good. It's going to, I'm curious with being roughly a week later, being colder to see how the deer are moving and where they're holding up. Cause, uh, it's one of those, like, even though we've been there before, it's potentially going to be a different experience from a hunting perspective. So it'll be fun. Yeah. I think, I don't know why. I just think they're going to be down there in the, in the lower kind of older stuff that where we spent that first day last year, it, it could be, it'd be fun, man. It'd be just kind of run and gun, you know, quick action type stuff, right? You're just kind of still hunting through the woods and bam, there's a buck running right in front of you at 50 yards, chasing a doe and make a quick decision on if you want to shoot it or not. It's, it's going to be fun. Making me so want to stoked. bring up my grandpa's 30, 30. And- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, the, I think the chance of a 30 yard shot versus a 300 yard shot, it's, you know, very much in favor of that very short shot. Yeah. How do you feel about shooting Jake? Oh, I'm, I'm stoked. I'm, I'm, I'm really confident. I'm trying yeah, to look at if I have any more questions. I'm, I swear I had a couple more. Um, oh yeah. What happens if like, is it possible for someone to be like over the weight limit for flying or is that just like, is there like a uh, weight limit? Yeah. The only, I mean, obviously Alaska airlines, no, you just pay for it on the smaller charter flights flights. Absolutely. They've got their weight limit for that plane. And they're, you know, they're not capable. Like the, you know, if you overweigh it, you're not going to get off the strip or, uh, yeah, that's the biggest deal is just getting taking off, right. Landing, they can land heavy, but it's gotcha. a lot trickier to take off. So there are charter flights, you know, I think it's 2,300 pounds capacity. Uh, so that's, you know, that's the biggest thing that'll matter. And though, uh, every time I've ever done a flight up there, when, once you start jumping on the smaller planes, you know, they, they weigh your gear, they weigh you like last time, I think Island air had me, Mark and Mike, all just stand on a big scale. Right. Mm-hmm. And then, and then we, so we weighed our body weights and then we weighed all of our gear weight just to make sure we were uh, good to go. And I don't see it being too different here on, on this flight, especially cause we're probably going to be pushing, you know, over 2000 pounds between all eight of us in gear. Yeah. So yeah. all eight guys are flying out on, on the same plane to yep. Kodiak. Gotcha. Yep. Yeah. So yeah, if you take 2,300 pounds divided by eight, you're at 287. Oh, yeah. And yeah. so on average, you know, if you take the eight guys or some guys plus or minus, but say on average, every guy's 200 pounds, the person. Yeah. And so it leaves 80 pounds of gear, a guy. Yeah. So, I mean, you're pushing two for sure. I'm pushing 210. Yeah. <laughs> Just absolute <laughs> unit of a man over here. <laughs> it's bulk season, guys. <laughs> Jake's been on the game train to go from what, 170 to 180? 180. Hoorah. Yeah. Cool. Cool. <laughs> I think those are the, all the questions. And then, like, I, I think I asked Steve, but we don't bring any like food. They take care of you up there, right? Like, yes. No snacks. That's sweet. You're yeah. awfully dang spoiled up there. Yeah. Yeah. It's a pretty awesome experience. But then there's seven beds and eight dudes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You and Mark share. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we get the clean bed, Mark. <laughs> yeah. I'll, uh, I'll make arrangements for you, Jake. Don't take, don't worry about it. I got you taken care of. Yeah. Uh, no, I'm stoked. <laughs> yeah. Rifles, rifles ready. How about you guys? Are you any, any, uh, last minute, you know, things you guys got to do? Or are you guys all set? No, it's so funny, like packing for a trip like this, because yes, you're going to Alaska and that sounds so daunting, but, you know, staying at a place, it's like not packing a camp, not packing shelter, sleep system, not worrying about being, you know, like when we did our caribou trip, you're literally a hundred plus miles from nowhere. And so 
self-sufficient. And yes, like where we're staying is very remote in terms of Alaska. Like Larson Bay is not, you're not going to go to Walmart in Larson Bay or anything for that matter. Um, but it's just totally different staying at a lodge, knowing you can come back and dry out every day. You could wash clothes if you have to. So it's a, it's different to pack for sure. It's much, much more low key. And then just having done it once, I think, you know, you just have a better feel for what you do and don't need. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. It's it definitely, yeah. Having that being the second trip there for hunting, it's, uh, I keep thinking I'm missing something, you know, because like it doesn't, it's been really easy to pack this time, but just having that experience from the first trip and I did a good job making notes, right? Like I had a gear list the first time and immediately, uh, I think on the flight home was like, when, you know, here's the 10 things that I packed that I didn't use here, are the things I wish I brought and made those little changes. And now for the second trip, it's, you know, just really easy. Yeah. What do you think are the th- like three to five most important things for this hunt, Steve, from a gear perspective that are, I don't want to say completely unique to this hunt, but are just especially important for this hunt. Uh, I mean, the, t- the two biggest ones I've told people is bring two sets of boots. It's just very, very wet, right? So if you, if one boot leaks or just, I mean, just sheer rotate, like letting a, a leather boot dry out, you know, it's going to need a full 24 hours. So to alternate boots, the next one that jumped out is leather gloves, uh, some, you know, some type of mechanics glove, leather glove, just because it's so steep in spots, so brushy and so really just slick, right? Like you got these just kind of wet ground and, uh, you just can't, I mean, you're just kind of like, uh, Tarzan up there at sometimes, right? Like literally just grabbing onto uh, the alder brush and swinging down or using it to pull yourself up. And that last time I just had my regular wool gloves, I always pack and, uh, I was definitely wishing I had something more, you know, robust for that. So those two, and then I think the unique thing, bow hunting, this still wouldn't apply, but from the rifle perspective is getting, especially this time of year, getting a prone shot is just not going to happen. Uh, and so you got to find ability to be able to shoot from an elevated position, whether that's sitting on your butt with, you know, uh, Mark, we just did that video we put on YouTube of you going through how we're using the pack and the shooting sticks or, even more likely is, is something like an annealing or standing position just because of the brush there and the grass and everything. You're just not going to be able to get down on the ground. Yeah. And so just practicing that and having the ability to shoot from an ele- elevated position. Uh, again, if it's, if it's 30 yards, I know this is going to matter, but um, if you do end up in a scenario and you make a three or 400 yard shot, you know, knowing how to get stable and practicing that is, is, um, pretty important other than that like and then the rain gear was the one thing i told everybody it's tricky it's like you need really good quality rain gear but you're gonna trash it like it's you know if you just went and spent six hundred dollars on a nice pair of pants and jacket and then within the first hour of the first day you're gonna be like son of a gun these things are gonna be <laughs> just trashed by the end of the hunt Jeez. so um not you know and, and the mine held up but you're just busting so much brush and especially that devil's club that's up there every you know, every five steps you're getting whacked in the face with the, um, the, that devil club. Like it's, uh, it's not fun. I can't wait for you to experience that chick. Yeah, I'm just, yeah. <laughs> you could, you could be in the happiest person alive and five minutes into that, <laughs> just cursing. Cursing. Like, yeah. and, and you're just, especially once you get just stuck in that, like, there's just no way out of this jungle crap, man. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, it's something else. And then you break free from it and it's like the sky's part and like, oh. everything's nice again, but yeah. it is miserable there for about an hour or two. I just remember last time getting 
like all of a sudden you're in it and you don't realize how you got in it. And then you go to turn around like, oh, we could backtrack and circle around it. And then you turn around, you're like, no, that's not any better. Like you yeah. literally just are, I don't know, I remember, you're just hose. You just got to keep yeah, moving. Along those same lines, I remember thinking like, I don't know how you could hike out of this in the dark because there's mm-hmm. just no, like you can literally just walk in circles because uh, especially on that <laughs> flat part where it's, you don't really have, a, downhill you know, downhill enough to like keep you going in a certain direction like in the dark if you lost a bearing if you lost like where the ocean is or something like that as a direction and you didn't have you know your gps like you'd figure it out but it wouldn't just be like black and white like oh i'm going this direction like you just just get in that stuff like i mean the best thing i describe is just imagine you're a centimeter tall walking through the your backyard and and grass that's you know three inches tall like it's once you're in there you're just disappear yeah mm-hmm. and that's gotcha. why the deer hunting is unique uh at least where they were at last time is uh, i keep telling everybody like that spotting scope and tripod comes up a lot and like it's it's completely pointless because you're basically you are hunting with what's in range if it's if that deer is not within shooting range whether that's 50 yards with a bow or you know 400 yards with a gun whatever it is it's pointless to look beyond that just there you're just not gonna like Oh, there's a deer and he's half a mile away and you're going to sneak over there and shoot it. Like it's no, like, <laughs> they're, they're gone. You will never see them again. Mm-hmm. So what glass are you guys bringing then? So if you're not bringing spotter, you know, what are you just, guys doing? I, I, just binoculars, but I don't even know how often I'm going to use those. It's truly like naked eye. Like, Oh, there's a deer and pull up the rifle scope and, and oh. put the scope on it. You know, I, I'm definitely going to use binos, but it's, um, more of it's going to be that scenario like there's a deer and get the scope up and put it you know like immediately like you're probably going to see like oh that's a buck and then i'm going to look for the next step would be like what can i shoot from do i need to get shooting sticks out is there a you know a piece of alder brush that i can get stabilized on or a tree right. branch or something like that and then get on the buck and get a closer look yeah gotcha. i mean one thing that it's like a great point with that steve is so you see a buck on a hillside and he is four or 500 yards away and you want to better look at them as you said number one it can be hard to find decent shooting positions so it's it's good to make that a priority and find the shooting position then try and get on the buck with a rifle but the other reason why that's good is they can just disappear fast um because you could be looking at a hillside that looks like maybe grass and looks relatively Mm -hmm. open but it could be brush that's like six to eight feet tall you just can't tell that from you know, the opposing yep. hillside. And so they could just disappear. And so instead of taking the time to be like, oh, there's a buck. Well, let me sit here with my binos, glass them up, see if he's something I want to shoot. Then you do that. And you're like, yeah, he's a buck I want to shoot. Now let me find a shooting position. Now let me get comfortable. Now let me find him in the scope. By the time you do that, he's probably gone. Um, whereas, you know, oh, there's a buck. I want to check him out. I'm not sure if I'm going to shoot him yet. Well, let me get in a shooting position and get the rifle scope on him obviously in a safe manner, that's going to be much better. Cause then you're ready to shoot, you know, before he could quickly dodge out. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I think going back to shooting on that too, Steve, like you mentioned, prone's usually tough to come by and could be completely non-existent if they're lower, like we talked about, but even the last yeah. trip we shot seven bucks, both of mine were kneeling, shooting off of sticks. I think both years were standing, right? 
Uh, I know one, one time you were standing no, off one a was n- One was kneeling off sticks. The other one was off a tree branch because we were right standing. on the edge of that lake. And that, yeah, I remember like there was, yeah. a, you know, it was exactly what we just talked about. I, we, we saw a buck. I was like, oh, that's a shooter. And then I immediately got out of the binoculars, looked around, and there was a, you know, a tree like 15 yards in front of me with a branch hanging out like perfect height and kind of, you know, ran over there real quick and got a shot off. Yeah. And I think Mike shot two kneeling and actually did shoot one prone, but that was the exception. So yeah, out of seven bucks, one time was there actually time to like get prone, get comfortable and, you know, really have time to, to do a true setup. If you will, the other ones it's like drop to your knee, get on the sticks and make something happen or standing as we said. So. And that'll be uh yeah. I know we've talked about how just cool this hunt is uh cody uh, cody callum's coming on the trip and from born and raised and he's gonna video uh the whole trip and so this will all be on youtube and people get to watch it which would be cool to to share that experience and hopefully push more people up to jerry except for make sure he leaves room for us every other year yeah, after we book <laughs> our spot you could have something else <laughs> it's just such a uh, such a badass experience yeah Cool, cool. Well, what was this, Steve? When you when we surprised Jake on the podcast, was this a birthday present? What the heck yeah. did you surprise him for? Yeah, yes, Jakey, birthday. little Jakey Poo's twenty uh, first birthday. I can't thank you enough, Steve. Thank you yeah. so much. I'm so excited. I was talking to my dad yesterday about this. I was like, <clears throat> "Oh, that was that's crazy. How it was March just not too long ago, and we're already here. You know, leaving for Alaska tomorrow." And my dad's like, "Dude, you got to be pinching yourself." I thank you again so much for including me and and for this. <sighs> amazing birthday present i'm i'm stoked <laughs> it's gonna be awesome yeah cool gonna have some well, fun. happy yeah. late birthday jake it was worth uh, the, it'll be worth the wait yeah i'm stoked it's gonna be fun <laughs> all right guys well once again if you have questions uh send us an email let us know podcast at xomountgear.com mark and, i'm gonna uh, i'm gonna cut you off real quick sorry sorry it. Every, everybody take, take over easy. co-host take take it easy on pat next week it's just gonna be him <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> Yeah, Sorry. if you need something from EXO and you're sending emails, Pat's going to be trying to uh, run the ship by himself. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So take it easy on him. He's got Jack and Omar and Bella, but oh, actually, Jack's going to be gone too. So yeah, yeah just take it easy on him. <laughs> we're running a skeleton crew next week for sure with three out of the four of us up on. <laughs> all right we love you pat (laughs) anyway sorry go ahead finish mark (laughs) no you're good that was it yeah just let us know if you guys have questions and email the podcast at xmountgear.com but otherwise more stories from kodiak to come